Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It is my show and I'm delighted to have you with me. I hope the weather's beautiful where you are. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be a part of this program. There is a problem in the United States of America. This is actually a real problem, and it has long-term consequences for society. There's a housing shortage. I'm not talking about affordable housing for the poor, subsidized housing. I am talking specifically about starter homes for people who want to buy them. People who buy homes early tend to have higher net worth later in life because they have so much home equity. They have more flexibility in what to do with it. So if you buy a house in your 20s, you're more likely than not going to have about three to $400,000 more in net worth than someone who buys a house in their late 30s who's going to have more net worth than someone who buys their first house in their 40s. But people can't buy new starter homes. They can't buy old starter homes. They can't buy a house. When my wife and I got married, uh, we were somewhat fortunate. Her grandmother had died and left her a small amount of money, and it was small enough to put down a down payment on a $100,000 house. We actually bought the house for about, I want to say we bought it for $110,000. It's about 2,800 square feet, had a half acre yard. The house had been built in the 1940s, had not ever been refurbed or updated. And I'm not handy. Had a fuse box instead of um, your, your circuit breaker switches now. Had really old appliances, probably the original appliances in the house. We had to replace th- those. But it was a good house. It was solidly built. It was very solidly built. It was a great starter home. Sure, it needed work, and sure, it was old, and sure, we weren't handy enough to be able to do a lot of it, but it was in a fine neighborhood. We had our children there, and then we moved to a bigger house. Uh, As my career went on and I started making more money, the house we live in now. It's not in a gated neighborhood. It's, It's just a nice, fine suburban house. The value of our current house has gone up tremendously. The value of our first house went up a lot. You know, our first house, as an aside, uh, we never could sell it. It really needed a lot of work done, and and we did not have a lot of money. Uh, It needed some paint. It needed a new roof. We had to get the new roof on. Uh, We were able to get the siding replaced. Uh, It had a lot of work it needed in the house, and we just couldn't afford to do it, and I wasn't handy. Uh, and my wife, when we moved into our new house, we'd save some money. We were able to get stuff done slowly on it, but my wife was desperate to get her motorcycle. My wife has a Harley, fat boy. And I told her finally after a while, she'd pulled the, I've got cancer card. I got to get the, get the motorcycles. Listen, wife of mine, you sell this house. We've had sitting there vacant for five years. I'll buy you a motorcycle. Damned if she did not have that thing sold within a week. She saw one of those We Buy Ugly Houses signs on the side of the road. She called the guy, sold our house, said it's an ugly house. You want it, you can have it. Sold it. All we got, we, we didn't get a ton, just what we needed on the loan, really. Didn't make any money off of it, but got the house done, and she got her Harley. Took a week. Amazing. 
but we had a starter house. A lot of people can't find starter houses, and not only can they not find starter houses, people who are saving for their starter houses are renting and rent is going up. So they're, the money that they've been saving to put a down payment on for their first house, they're having to tap into to pay the rent, or they can't keep piling up the money for their down payment because the rent's going up. And then home prices continue to go up in general. So I'm not at the point in in career and wealth and all of that to be able to have like a vacation house or something like that. And I would love to have one. There are places that we'll rent. We'll get an Airbnb. We'll go to Hilton Head. I love to go to Hilton Head or we'll go up to Clayton, Georgia, which is a beautiful area in the southeast. If you've never been, don't go because I love it too much. <laughs> um, it's up in the North Georgia mountains and the Appalachian mountains. It's gorgeous up there. It really is. And I keep an eye on property because, you know, one day I'm either going to have the winning lottery ticket or maybe my career will really take off and I can buy a buy a small house and we can go to that instead of having to do Airbnb. There aren't any. There are not any. They're gone. And then for people who live in cities who want a starter house, uh, if you want a starter home, you got to commute an hour and a half to your city job. It is a real problem in America right now, the lack of houses. And on top of that, a number of the people who listen to this show and several of whom I've gotten to be friends with are home builders around the country. And they all tell me that supplies are tight. So I got a roof put on our house a while back. Uh, First National Roofing in Atlanta. Highly recommend them. Uh, They were fantastic. And they had to deliver the shingles to the house two and a half weeks before the project began because otherwise it would be weeks later before they get the shingles. And the guy who delivered them was telling me this incredible story that on job sites, particularly for for commercial businesses, he's delivering roofing supplies when the foundation of the building is being laid. They don't even have a building up, let alone a roof on, and he's having to deliver the roofing supplies because he says supplies are so tight. If he didn't deliver them then, they may sit a year and not be able to put a roof on. Pipes are tight, uh, supplies are, are tight, roofing supplies are tight, nails are supplies are tight, plywood and lumber supplies are more expensive and tight. It's more and more expensive to, to build one of these houses, and there's another problem coming. Interest rates are going to go up. Now, as much as we've never seen inflation in this country, at the rate we're seeing it, we've never seen interest rates as low as we have. You know, I, I've heard stories of people buying houses in the 70s and they had like 10% interest rates or higher. Thankfully, we won't have that. When I bought our first house, our interest rate, I think, was 4.5%. This house, when we bought, no, our, our first house, yeah, the, the interest was 4.5% because I, I was actually a lawyer for Bank of America and I got a, got a good deal on an interest rate. And then when we bought this house, our interest rate was at 4%. We refied to three, five, and then we refied again uh, very recently, and we got a ridiculously low interest rate. I'll never refi again. But new people headed into the market, they're going to have to deal with the interest rates, but then that causes another problem. There will be a lot of people who suddenly can't afford to buy them, and you know what's going to happen in the supply-demand curve 
the supply of houses is going to go up and the price is going to go down to incentivize people who need them, who now have high interest rate loans or higher interest rate loans. They're still not going to be that high. Uh, and, you know, Philip and I were talking the other day and we think it's going to be regional. There are pockets of the country where people are in their houses and they are their forever houses. They're not going to leave. They're not going to sell. They will not be impacted by this at all because they don't have variable rate interest rates anymore. They just locked in a low interest loan and they're going to be locked in and they will be fine and they will never move. But there are a lot of people who wanted to flip houses and they bought up a lot of houses with a lot of low interest rates and they want to flip these houses. And guess what? Interest rates are going to go up. It's going to be harder for people to get loans. It's going to be more expensive. House prices have gone up. And you know, here's the thing people forget. If inflation this year is 7.5% and next year inflation is 3%, it doesn't mean that inflation fell into negative territory and came back up. No, it means inflation's still going up, just not as fast. So it's not like the prices come down a lot, but prices are going to crash. There's going to be a housing bubble. This is all so foreseeable at this point. There will be probably regional on a case-by-case basis, depending on the underlying circumstances of areas of this country, there will be housing crises or housing crashes. I suspect vacation homes are going to be one of them. People got in with these low interest, no interest loans with the pandemic. They moved to places uh, where they thought they could be fine. The economy's opening. Employers are going to want people back in the office. They're going to start trying to sell their houses. There's suddenly going to be a flood of vacation houses and those house prices are going to go down. But that leaves us the problem of the new homes and the starter homes and the working poor who want houses. The government solution is going to be subsidized affordable housing. These people don't want subsidized affordable housing. They want a house of their own. And until we can get a handle on the economy and supply chain issues, that's not going to happen. Something is probably going to give in the economy to shake things up. When you have this many people out there who are willing buyers, who have money, who want to buy, something's going to shake up to get those people's money. Now, the problem is one of the things that's happening is major corporations are out buying up all these houses and turning them into rental properties. And people who want to build equity and build net worth, they don't want to rent. My fear here is when the shakeup comes and the bubble bursts, the government's going to bail out a lot of these companies, and they shouldn't. These companies made a bet. The bet has played out. The government's going to let them fail or should let them fail. Otherwise, there's going to be moral hazard. They will incentivize more people getting into these sorts of markets and bind up a lot of houses to deprive first-time homeowners of homes. There will be real problems and more moral hazard that has to be sorted out. There is really no answer right now for the new home buyer, though. As interest rates go up, though, and the economy slows down, you will start seeing people who bought a lot of houses to flip suddenly having a hard time, and those prices will come down and housing will become available. It's not like we've had a massive burst of of population growth in this country. We haven't. In fact, our population is receding in this country. We just suddenly have a lot of people who really want their first homes, who are at the age to get them, and there are none to be had because of inflation, supply chains, uh, corporations buying up the properties and the like. That will sort itself out, but it will probably be painful when it does. You know, one of the people who's getting attacked for this right now is Dave Chappelle, the comedian in, in Ohio, 
uh, a neighborhood development there was going in and wanted to build affordable housing. And the the problem here is the media has taken a story and they haven't really wanted to vet it. They wanted the outrage machine because it plays into all these other stories. So in Ohio, where Dave Chappelle lives, a property developer bought land and was putting in nice single-family homes, but to suck up to the local city council to secure the development deal, decided to put in a bunch of uh, high-density, affordable housing at the front of the property. Dave Chappelle is getting blamed by all the people who hate him over the transgender stuff for killing affordable housing. Why does he hate poor people? If you bother to follow the story, this is one of the problems we're having with the housing glut and the like. Uh, The way that developers are trying to deal with it is they're trying to put in high density, meaning a whole lot of people per acre, high density, affordable housing, subsidized by the government. It drags down the values of the nicer homes. And on top of that, in this particular development, if you read the citizenry concerns, and by the way, most of the people in that town were opposed, they were putting in this high density, low income, affordable housing, and they weren't upgrading the sewer lines. They weren't upgrading the water lines. They weren't upgrading the roads. They weren't doing anything. So they were trying to squeeze a pile of people into property with not a lot of infrastructure to be able to handle it. That would cause all sorts of problems. But yet it was easier for the people who hate Chappelle to push a story that he was against affordable housing and he was against poor people. It had nothing to do with it. The entire town was opposed. But this is something that's happening around the country. Developers are trying to come up with ways to make some money and to get through planning and zoning in areas of the country where some local city councils are hostile to the idea of having these nice McMansions and other places. So they say, we'll we'll add high-density, affordable housing. The government will let us do it. And, And then you're upsetting the local population because the local population knows, one, there really isn't a, a a population to fill up all this stuff. Two, if it does fill up, then it's going to jam up the sewers and jam up the water lines. Three, it's going to jam up the highways and you're not building more highways. These are multifaceted, complicated issues. You can't just narrow it down to, oh, well, they hate the poors. They don't hate the poor people. They just actually don't want their quality of life to degrade for a planner to be able to get a deal from a city council. And the only way they get the deal is to demand affordable housing when nobody wanted it to begin with. It's all for show. And by the way, high density, affordable housing degrades the quality of life for everyone, including the people who live in the high density, affordable housing. It's not good. There's better ways to take care of poor people and provide them housing than doing high density affordable housing, but let's not let the facts stand in the way of people wanting to be outraged about Dave Chappelle. A buddy of mine sent me a note and said the price of housing isn't going to go down, at least not in the short term. Long term, we're going to see wage inflation as housing stays flat. Yeah, we may very well. Right now, I'm worried about economic stagnation as we have this gap between inflation and wages. We may very well see wages spike enough that it can overcome uh, the prices on housing, it, it really is going to be something to behold. There's just, we're, we're kind of in uncharted times, at least uncharted times in living memory of just a lot of, a lot of 
instability out there. At least interest rates going up to some degree might help people who have uh, their retirement savings pegged into interest-bearing accounts. There are a lot of people on fixed incomes who have situations like that. We're just, these are, these are uncharted times. And then my gosh, if there's foreign policy in national security instability, yeah, we, we got, we got something. This is, this is what happens when the American parties stop being serious. And I think neither the Republicans nor the Democrats have been very serious lately. Well, so I got uh, emails. I occasionally do read my emails, and we got phone calls here as well. And when I'm getting emails about something and phone calls about it, and from there from unrelated people all over the country, uh, you you got to pay attention to it. And all of them were like, "We're tired of the Joe Rogan story. We are tired of Joe Rogan." Okay. I get it, but I think the story matters greatly because you have the mainstream media and the left trying to silence voices they don't particularly care for. That's why it matters. Uh, Being censorious of dissenting views, particularly when so much of the censorship now comes from the private sector on behalf of progressives in government shakes up the dynamics out there. Allison Camerata was on um, CNN and said this. Well, I admit I'm out of ideas for what to do about Joe Rogan. I'm, I'm officially out of ideas. Why did you need an idea of what to do about Joe Rogan? Why not let him speak? There's a story in uh, the, the one of the Vox kids, which is always a problem. Comedy's existential crisis. Uh, is comedy about telling truths and speaking truth to power? Or is comedy about making people laugh? Now, I'm sorry. Uh, I would have you believe that comedy is about making people laugh. And if you can make people laugh by telling painful truths on stage, well, go for it. But lecturing people, a comedian lecturing people in a boring way or in an angry way, it's not really funny. And comedy is about making people laugh. And the left these days want to destroy comedy and go after any comedians that make us laugh when really we need more laughter right now. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. We need to talk about the Gaspacho police. If you haven't heard, Marjorie Taylor Greene. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Just a minute. You don't even know what I'm going to say before you blow up on me. Marjorie Taylor Greene was speaking, I think, on OAN, um, that news service nobody watches. Uh, She had this to say. 
Did you know that if a constituent of mine wants to come visit me in my office or constituents want to visit their representative, the Capitol Police will investigate them, which is absolutely absurd. They're investigating our staff, looking at their social media. They're even checking into people that go to our events outside of outside of Washington. Mm -hmm. So everything is completely out of control. Not only do we have the D.C. jail, which is the D.C. gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police, spying on members of Congress, spying on the legislative work that we do, spying on our staff, and spying on American citizens that want to come talk to their representatives. The Gazpacho police, instead of the Gestapo, the East German police, Gazpacho, the cold tomato soup police. We can have a laugh here, but I got something to say. I'm really tired of the media focusing on people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, whether you like her or not, was duly elected by the people of the 14th Congressional District of the state of Georgia, who says some things like gazpacho police and has some theories like Jewish space lasers that are off the wall, and they highlight them, they drag them out, they profile them, they demand Republicans take a position. What do you think of Marjorie Taylor Greene's latest? And they never do that to the left. They never go up to Democrats and ask them what they think about Sheila Jackson Lee. Sheila Jackson Lee is a member of Congress who represents part of Texas around Houston who asked NASA if they could take the Mars Pathfinder rover and drive it over to where Neil Armstrong had landed and see the flag. That happened. That happened. Did they go out and ask Democrats, what do you think about this idiot Democrat from Texas who thought Neil Armstrong landed on Mars? No, the hell they did not. Hank Johnson, Democrat from Georgia in Congress, was worried, openly worried in a hearing that Guam was going to tip over. He, in a hearing, speculated that if we add too many people to the island of Guam, that it would tip over. He believed this in a hearing. Did they ask anybody what they think about it? Did did they ask anybody? Did did they inquire about it? No. No, they didn't. They didn't shove microphones in people's faces in, in Congress and ask if Guam was going to capsize. They didn't do it. It was remarkable. But they want to ask Republicans about Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
that at its widest level is what 12 miles from shore to shore and at its smallest level uh, or smallest uh, uh, location it's uh, seven miles uh, between one shore and the other is that correct I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very relatively. small island and about 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 20, 24 miles long, about 7 miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island and about 20, about 12 miles wide. Uh, uh, on the widest part of the island and um, I don't know how many square miles that that is do you happen to know I don't have that uh, figure with me sir I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like yeah my, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and uh, and capsize. Uh, we don't anticipate that. The, uh, the Guam population, I think, currently about 175,000. And again, with 8,000 Marines and their families, it's an addition of about 25,000 uh, more uh, into the population. The whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and uh, and capsize. That was a member of Congress in a congressional hearing to an admiral of the fleet. And he thought Guam would capsize if you put 8,000 Marines on it. Did the media go shove microphones in Democrats' faces and say, what do you think about this idiot? No, the hell they did not. Democrats get to say outlandish things all the time, and no one ever has to apologize for them. The squad is notorious for absolutely asinine statements. But when Marjorie Taylor Greene says gazpacho police instead of Gestapo police, Katie bar the door, here comes the press corps. What do you think about it? What do you think about it? What do you think about it? It's a double standard. Yes, there have been some times lately where Democrats have had to answer, uh, but why did they have to answer? Because so many regular people were so vocal and loud about it that the media felt compelled to get involved. When what, what's her name? Was it Rashida Tlaib? Uh, said F the president or impeach the 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 effort. Suddenly, I mean, the Democrats have been saying we aren't going to impeach, we aren't going to impeach, and 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 suddenly she exposed they were, and there was so much outrage over the hypocrisy and the mixed message that they had to ask. But, you know, Cori Bush, the left-wing Democratic member of Congress, says she is refusing to abandon talking about defunding the police. She's not going to refuse, she's not, not going to stop saying it. You and I both know that very few members of the media, if any, are going to go up to Democrats and question them about her statements. Very few of them, if any, are ever going to go up 
and say, what do you think about defund the police? And the Democrats, well, that's not our, that's her, but that's not our position. And they'll let it slide. Listen, I'm not a Marjorie Taylor Greene fan. I think that uh, Republicans in the 14th Congressional District in Georgia could do better. There is someone running against her in a primary. I don't know how viable the person is. But uh, if, if you want things to happen in that district, I think you're better off getting someone there who can work with leadership to get something done if you need your bro- roads or bridges. But if you just want someone who's going to stir the pot and, and sling poop everywhere, well, then Marjorie's your girl. Go for it. That's fine. Your choice. But the voters get to decide. I don't get to decide. I don't live in that district. Just as much as you got to respect the voters who voted for a man who thought an island could tip over, you got to vote for a woman who said gazpacho police instead of Gestapo police. At least you understood what she actually meant. Not a single person has ever been able to defend Hank Johnson with a straight face. You know what his his office tried to claim is that he meant it would be an environmental tipping. It's not we. I played you the entire audio in context. He went over the entirety of Guam's measurements of 12 feet across by 24 feet. It could hold the whole thing could tip over based on putting more people on the island. No one could defend that, at least with Marjorie Taylor Greene. You can say, well, she misspoke. She meant Gestapo, not Gaspacho. You couldn't do that with him. You couldn't do it with Sheila Jackson Lee, thinking that Neil Armstrong had landed on Mars. You can't do it with Ilhan Omar on her abrasive anti-Semitism. But time and time again, they want to ask us, about people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. And they want to give a pass to the Democrats. This is one of the very many reasons so many people don't believe the press. There's a lawsuit going on right now. Court hearings. Sarah Palin has sued the New York Times. Back in 2011, I think it was, Jared Lochner shot Congresswoman, then Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords did not kill her, caused her brain damage. And the media blamed Sarah Palin out of the gate because Sarah Palin had listed Gabby Gifford's district as a targeted district. It was a swing district. We People have been saying targeted district for decades. But they blamed Sarah Palin. The left immediately blamed Palin, said it was her fault. It turns out, Jared Lochner was obsessed with Gabrielle Giffords because of a way she answered an asinine question of his a couple of years before. He was an insane, crazy person with no political agenda. But they blamed Sarah Palin. When James Hodgkinson attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress at a softball game, the New York Times wrote an editorial and they, they wanted to add in language about Republicans having incited mass violence. 
and they said they couldn't find any occasions of Democrats having done so. They added Sarah Palin and blamed her for Jerry Lochner. That's why she's suing. The New York Times itself had reported Palin had no involvement in and was not a precipitating factor in the attempted assassination of Gabriel Giffords. But the New York Times editorial page years later ignored that and said she was responsible for the attempted assassination. problem is that the editorialists couldn't find any examples of Democrats engaging in heated rhetoric that would lead someone to violence. That's what they're saying on the stand. That's what they're testifying. So Democrats saying Republicans want you dead, Alan Grayson, apparently not wouldn't inspire people to violence. Uh, Democrats running ads showing Paul Ryan shoving grandmothers off cliffs, apparently that doesn't lead people to violence. Barack Obama saying take guns, deny fights, or telling Hispanic voters Republicans are your enemy, or telling his voters to get in their neighbors' faces and argue. Apparently, no, no, none of those things were calls to violence, according to the New York Times. They're absolutely dumbfounded by how anyone could think any Democrat had ever inspired anyone to violence against Republicans. But that Sarah Palin, she was responsible for Gabby Giffords, even though she wasn't. It had already been debunked. That's why she's suing. And yet, they're too clueless. They hold both parties to completely different standards. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene misspoke. But Marjorie Taylor Greene, never in a congressional hearing, explained how she thought putting people on an island would cause the island to capsize. Now, I want you to clean the air. There's a lot of air that needs to be cleaned out there. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm can clean the air in your home. It actually cleans the air. It doesn't mask mask odors. It eliminates odors. It also gets rid of the mildew, the mold, the bacteria, the pollen that's floated in the air. If you got allergies, there you go. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, right now you can buy one and get one for free. What you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you will see a box asking for a discount code, and you put in... Eric Bogo, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O. You'll see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm uh, deal. You get two of them for less than $200. One of them you get for free. You put it in your card and at checkout, you'll see the discount code box. Uh, Put in Eric Bogo, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O. You will get one for free, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It is a filterless air purifier. It cleans the air. You can wipe it out on occasion. It just, it works great. You can take one in your car, your RV, and eliminate the odors. You know, somebody's been smoking in a rental car or the hotel room is musty. It works to wipe out those odors. You go to EdenPureDeals.com and you put in my discount code, Eric Bogo, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O. You buy one, you get one for free. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to Rhonda. You're up next. Welcome. Thank you. I was just curious as to why everybody was making fun of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Did you ever consider that maybe she didn't want to say say Gestapo, so she made up a word? I mean, I know the lady. She's very smart. She didn't make up the word. She used cold tomato soup instead of... Uh, the, the well, East isn't German that better than saying Gestapo? Why, why, why would I it mean, be better than public? saying Gestapo? 
I mean, I, I say Gestapo is not a bad word. I mean, Gestapo means something to people, and it's the behavior she was describing. Uh, I, I think she just misspoke. Well, okay. I know yep. the lady. She's very bright. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I just, sure she is. I but think people I mean, go off one deep into the other, and it just it's aggravating because I hear stuff all the time, and it's it's like you said, it's one-sided. It's okay for people that you like to do things or say things and nothing said or and people that you don't like then everybody goes off oh, and, in, and in particular the media obsesses about when republicans say it the, the point though is that I, I i don't think there's any reason to quibble over argue over whether she misspoke uh, there, there's not some some grand five-dimensional chess here i mean she was describing gestapo but said gazpacho gazpacho gestapo there's there's no reason not to say gestapo it's not a word. she just misspoke and my point is that the media wants every Republican to comment on Marjorie Taylor Greene misspeaking and never once will shove a microphone in the face of anyone on the Democratic side when they misspeak. And it was it was misspeaking. Everybody misspeaks. My gosh, the number of times Joe Biden has misspoken. And they always they, they always say it's, it's it's well, we know what he meant. We know what he meant. You know what Marjorie Taylor Greene meant. Yes, I find it very funny. She said gazpacho. I do. I find it very funny. But I find it funny. That's it. I knew what she meant. And with the very same media, it's like, I can't believe she did this. Every time Joe Biden says something nutty, they're like, well, we know what he meant. We know what Joe Biden meant. You knew what he meant, really. Okay, well, why can't you treat everyone else, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, the exact same way? Why not? The voters of the 14th Congressional District of Georgia voted for her. Respect those voters' decisions. You may not like her. I'm not a fan. But they voted for her. And she's allowed to misspeak. All humans are. It's called being human. It's what one of the things we do. But yet you want to condemn her and mock her and ridicule her for it. And when Joe Biden misspeaks on a daily basis, you try to excuse him and give a pass for him. Uh, it is just one of those other double standards. When we come back, do you use the yellow emoji? It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.